Black women are scary. The podcast celebrates people of color writing horror. We continue with our flash fiction frenzy, where each week we feature a new guest, talk about the season, and share short, spooky stories. Today, I'm speaking with Kenya and Sumiko of Black Women in Horror. So let's lean in and listen to some scary black and it'll be a period piece you know yeah ironically I just saw a billboard right by my house on the freeway and there's a concert coming I think next month um Boy George and um what was his group well Culture Club Berlin and I think it said Modern English there was a third one when I go back out I'll see it and I was like, are you serious? Like they written it. This, this has to be great for those artists though. Yeah. You know, you know start making this money again. I, hopefully they're making money. Hopefully they yeah. got their rights and everything. But they had to be pretty excited because I know they're like grandfathers. <laughs> their grandkids are like, well, they want you grandpa. What do you mean? You're like, yeah, you don't know who, you don't know me. Put some respect on my name. <laughs> Well, yeah, boy George ain't got no grandkids, but yeah, yeah, we don't know, you know, boy George's life. I I do know boy George's life. Oh, you do? Yes, boy George is uh, a very gay man who does not have children. Okay, well, he at least had some poodles and or dogs or pets or something that might be interesting. Nieces and nephews who are like, what? I'm cool. Yeah, that's probably true. That's yeah. probably true. He probably does have some relatives that they're saying that. And, you know, yeah, some of them definitely have kids and grandkids. Um, yeah. Stuff. This is a good segue into to the, the theme of today's conversation, which is future ancestors. We've been we're wrapping up the season and uh, we ended it, you know, our story episodes anyway, with the lexicographer and One Tree Island. All the stories throughout this season um, have been from an anthology called Future Ancestors. And uh, the one before uh, was also in alignment with the same, like they're sister anthologies. So they're really rooted in solar punk and in what a green future could look like and both sad and scary, but hopeful. So what does uh, what does Future Ancestors mean to, to, to you two? Um, so you know, I write um, like Afro surrealism a mm. lot, which it doesn't as much deal with the future, like in you know Afrofuturism. Although I have written some things that deal with the future, um, and um, most of them have actually dealt with uh, with the outcome of mm. things that are potentially um, that are political that are going wrong. So um, you know, I feel like. Um, you could look at it as only things that are like really um, maybe um, very positive and bright and shiny, you know, like mm-hmm. Wakanda. Right. Um, but then there, there's all always the, you know, um, like uh, Octavia Butler kindred type mm. thing yeah. Yeah. where it is really um, people who are in the future connecting with what went on in the past so like mm. you know kindred obviously it's somebody from these days 
going and dealing with stuff that happened um, before, you know, in our history. But when you look at all the horrible types of things that are happening right now, yeah, um, yeah with the overturning of Roe versus Wade and mm. with the um, gutting of the um, Civil Rights uh, Act um, of 1964, um, you really, you know, people in the future are looking at us now and the, the struggle that we have and the struggles that we have are things that could impact their future in ways that are both positive and negative. Yeah, it is kind of a weird term future ancestors because you're thinking it's like somehow you're talking about the future and the past at the same time, right? They're envisioning, all the writers have envisioned a, a future but it's, it's like, I don't even know how to explain it. I understand what it means. And I know, I know what it means when I see it, when I read it. Um, but I guess just kind of seeing what you're doing in the present affecting generations before you. Yeah. The, genera the, the next generations that are coming, right? So you're thinking of yourself as like, everything that I'm doing is going to affect mm -hmm. kind of the next generation. And you're thinking maybe even like three and four generations ahead. Um, as you were saying, you know, people are looking, young people are looking at the struggles now and they're like, this is going to affect me when I'm like soon, <laughs> as, I, as I come of age, this is going to affect me. Mm -hmm. Right. And then one day each of us will join the ancestors, um, right. you know, like my mother did in 2019 and like, um, you know, Sister Valjean Jeffers did. Yeah. 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 Not that long ago, like I think a year ago. So, yeah. um, we are the future ancestors because we will be the ancestors in the future. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of got stuck in a loop because I don't think I've ever really heard the term before. So I was Googling. Um, I asked AI. <laughs> Talk about the future. I asked AI. I, I sat down and spoke with Skynet and they said... <laughs> about anything we got it <laughs> we'll take care of they're that. like i am future ancestor <laughs> right. you are human i am future <laughs> right exactly because i i really i got stuck in that loop like wait a minute so i'm a future and i was just so in my head so i just kept trying to work it out it is really if you i think i was overthinking it mm. So I think I finally got it. <laughs> that, like like Samiko just said, it's, it's us really. We are the future ancestors. Um, we're not ancestors now. I think whenever I hear the word ancestors, I always think, you know, going back like a hundred years, mm. going back a few branches of the tree or, you know, the collective tree. Uh, but we're all ancestors or will be. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I got stuck in my head on that term. But uh, right, right. it finally made sense. And does it does it play any, you know, for the folks that we produced this season, it was very, I mean, for those that were in the anthology that's called Future Ancestors, it was part of the call that they answered when they submitted their stories, right, where they're speaking about um, futures that are rooted in climate crisis and not about gloom and doom. So that was like what they were supposed to do. Um, but for you, and you mentioned a little bit about being an Afro-surrealist, like I wondered, yeah, does this future ancestors or considering yourself, yeah, con considering yourself that way play any role in your work? 
for me, yeah, um, it definitely does. Like, um, for example, there's this story that I wrote, Agrippa, um, mm. and, and later it, it became a comic book because um, when I get writer's block, that's what I do is I um, draw. Mm. Um, it is a story where a it, it, it has a it, it, it has a, a very dystopic future. Um, which, you know, I wrote it in 2013 and sadly a lot of things that um, <laughs> I was predicting in there, uh, they were actually becoming more and more actually reality. So in this book, um, the government has gone into um, a lot of debt to a whole bunch of other foreign interests. And um, so they reinstate, uh, they, they instate a debtor's prison in order to try mm. to pay off all of these debts. Um, and as a result, this creates a very, 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 very twisted um, culture that has to do with corporations, um, mm. people who have money, because people who have money have now got a lot of power. So in this particular um, story, there is a um, multi-billionaire who has created a, um, uh, a new telecommunications device which you inject into the back of your ear so you can just be on your cell phone all day long oh so my gosh. like um yeah and the thing is at that time I was looking at stuff like google glass and thinking mm -hmm. okay yeah, one yeah, of these yeah, days yeah. it might become something that is just a chip so that's a chip that they made but they made it so that you have to replace it every year so it gets absorbed by your body and that way they keep a market because they, you know, that's how capitalism works. Um, but the guy who invented it um, ends up getting brain cancer. So then he gets a whole bunch of really poor people who are, um, you know, having to pay off debts to avoid going to prison and gets them to volunteer as human subjects. So the um, lady in the story, Agrippa, she's a very old lady who is oh, wow. in her 80s. So she's a very old lady. But since I'm writing about it in the future, um, and she's African-American, and the other lady, um, Dr. Hartouche, is also um, Black. But I'm writing about a near future story. So this very old lady is having memories of when she was a young girl. She's somebody who is um, probably really like about 10 years older than me. Um, and, you know, I was 10 years younger than I am now when I wrote it. So, hmm. um, you know, she's talking about how she was in the play Grease and she's talking about Olivia Newton-John and how she had to have the hmm. yellow pants and all this other stuff um, that's in the story. Because if you're writing about the future um, and then the, the doctor, she's younger, right? But she is my age in this future, which means mm. that she's someone who is probably, um, you know, in her 20s or 30s now. So if you're writing about people in the future, they are people who, if it's still in the present time, have something that's like um, akin to the timeline we're in. But I think with that story, I had a whole bunch of things in there about our relationship with you know, multi-billionaires and some of the stuff that I put in there, um, even though I didn't use Elon Musk 
as the person that I was um, creating this from because I, you know, was leaning into Google Glass. I was really writing more like with Jeff Bezos as the, the, the archetype. But Elon Musk has literally done so many of the things that this character did. It's like you read it and you're like, they, they think. Did he read my book? Him. Did he read my book? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it's, it's like it, I, I was trying to predict a future where this would happen. But, you know, you've got Elon Musk acting a certain way. And I wrote this in 2013. So this is also before Trump. And you mm. have politicians acting like Trump and billionaires acting like Elon Musk. So I think that uh, definitely it does impact how I write. Um, so I'm writing how this is impacting some Black people because the characters in the story are Black, mm. but the politicians that are oppressing them aren't and neither are the billionaires. So I feel like, yeah, um, I write Afro-surrealist horror, um, which, you know, think of like um, Boots Riley's like, I'm sorry to bother you, or mm. um, Jordan Peele's um, Us in particular, very, mm. very much um, Afro-surrealist, so. And sorry for my ignorance, but I'm, I'm sure other people who are listening are going to what is the exact definitions of Afro-surrealist? Like I've seen both those films, so I think I know what you mean, or I feel like I know what you mean. But okay. just like, is there, is there like an Afro-surrealism is? Yeah, so um, Afro-surrealism as a literary form, um, it is predated by Afro-surrealism as a, uh, a form of art. So oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So surrealism, which is really looking at reality from a um, distorted lens, almost things that look like what you'd see if you were having hallucinations or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's really what surrealism is. It's things that have elements of real of, of things that are realistic that are mixed in with things that are very much um the bizarre bizarre things are interwoven into them um and uh so it, it it kind of um hits this uncanny valley spot with people because there's so much stuff that's real realistic type stuff interwoven into it that when you look at something like um the sunken place and get out or mm -hmm. um, the mm -hmm. whole mm -hmm. area underground in us, um, it's it, it hits you in this weird place because it's not real. And it's like, in those cases, just like a nightmare, but it's a nightmare that has so much like of what is real in it that it just, it just hits you in that place. So that is um, what Afro-surrealism is. And um, as far as authors go, um, Toni Morrison is in fact the most famous of the, um, what would be considered Afro-surrealist writers and huh. uh, read um, The Bluest Eye. Yeah, yeah, of uh, course. Yeah, and uh, Sula, that's another one. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
That's interesting. I've heard the term before. I have not heard it. I've heard it in visuals. I'm only starting to hear it in terms of um, literary practice, you know, like I'm more familiar with like magic realism. Uh, and I just think it's interesting. I'm, I'm excited that these, that these words and these concepts are kind of, are coming more to the fore. They're becoming a little more like people use them or people can say them and you can, and it's not like, what is that? You know, um, like Afrofuturism wasn't something that people tossed around and now, you know, you can, you can say that and people will be at least at the very least you can point to things now. You can be like, you know, like Wakanda or Afro, you can say Afro surrealism and be, you know, like, I'm sorry to bother you. Like you can say that. I would even throw maybe, you know, I throw a lot of uh, Donald Glover's work in there. Like many, many of the episodes of Atlanta feel Afro surreal. Absolutely, yeah. future ancestor play being a future ancestor does any of that affect your work i think overall uh, now that i kind of understand what the term is i think the fact that i am a black woman writing horror at all or in this field i think um i want my work to be influential but i have to kind of shout out samiko for even creating the black women in horror uh, volume because if you mm. think about the future you know little girls elementary girls are going to look back like can I write horror or can I you know is this right, something? Can right. I write what I want to write can I write what I'm feeling in my soul and we're at what one tip <laughs> plus so <laughs> we're going to have like encyclopedia size volumes because when I started I was told by so many people Black people don't read horror. Black people aren't interested in horror. Sci-fi, mm. why are you doing this? No one's interested. Black women don't like that. I'm still oh, wow. some people. They're like, I had no idea that, that Black women even wrote horror. You know, so there's still that attitude. So I think in the future, there's more out there. The more we put out there, the more we're, we're being more visible, they're going to look back and say, hey, We've got a long line. This isn't something new. So it won't even be this this weird topic. Like, oh, no, it'll just be like, you know, anything else. So I think our everything we do, you know, influences our existence as a future ancestor. It's weird, isn't it? Because you don't think of yourself as historic. Or I don't anyway. Mm -hmm. I don't think that anything I'm doing is historic. Mm -hmm. And then like when it's when you frame it this way, where it's like, well, if I'm a future ancestor, then that means yes. And because I'm living in a time when so much of it is documented, mm -hmm. it will be a part of history. Yeah, we're all contributing to, to that cause of, you know, raising the exposure of this yeah. and making it easier for the people who are going to come after us. They won't have to look up, you know, 150 black women or it'll just be. You know, just like anything else, it will just be. It will just be. Mm. Let's let's talk about Black Women in Horror. I like your, you know, you started this scene. Like, tell us a little about it. Like, how did it come about? And how many years have you been doing it? All the things. So, um, I'm I'm the person who started um, Black Women in Horror back in 2013, 
And it was as a part of uh, the women in horror movement, which was in a movement to draw attention to the fact that women, yes, do write horror because at that right. you know period in time, um, and so that started in 2010 and had been around for about three years. Okay. Um, and at that time, you they had a web form that you signed up to um, get approved to be an ambassador uh, was what they called it. So I hmm. did this whole like proposal um, to do Black women in horror because it was in February. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, like they should go together. So right. it was a series of interviews that I did on my blog. Um, and like uh, Kenya, it, it did is something that I started to do because people act like Black people didn't like horror, didn't write horror. Um, the, mm. When I first went into a bookstore, which is um, Marcus um, Books, which is the oldest um, uh, Black bookstore um, on the West Coast, um, I went to the San Francisco one, which I, I don't think it's this is the older one now, but the lady there was like, she acted like she just could not understand what I meant when I said horror, and finally she said, oh, do you mean science fiction? You know, like Octavia Butler? <laughs> And then eventually, yeah, this turned into a conversation about fledgling since there's vampire in there. I know. She wrote horror. She wrote whatever she wanted to write. Fledgling yeah, is exactly. one of my favorites. Exactly. And so also, I um, just stand, if I can just interject, Beloved is a horror novel. So mm -hmm. you were talking about Toni Morrison as an as a um, yeah, percent <laughs> that is that's a scary um, book. Specifically southern gothic horror is an entire genre that that <laughs> book belongs to yes so um in 2017 or 18 uh kenya kenya was one of the people that got in the book so i i met kenya because of colors in darkness uh colors in darkness was putting out an anthology called Forever Vacancy. So I wrote a story actually that is in Forever Vacancy, mm -hmm. um, which is a lovely, um, uh, it's called uh, Jacob's Honeymoon and it takes place in the honeymoon suite, which is about a, um, a same sex, a gay couple. So it's a, it's a story with a gay black man. Um, and that's how I met Kenya. And um, so this is the 10th anniversary um, and the last book I had put out was five years ago. And Kenya comes up to me and says, um, I want to um, do, I want to reboot this. You know, it's been 10 years and I don't want to like step on the toes of whoever the people are doing. And I'm like, the people is me. You get all of this? Like, where's the team? <laughs> I am the team. <laughs> okay. Oh my God. So then we got together and, um, okay, Kenya, talk about what's happened since since you've been here. So you can oh my get the gosh. rest of the story. Uh, getting a peek behind the curtain at everything that it takes. Um, mm. The first thought was to obviously refresh, update, you know, get in touch with uh, the people who are already in the book. I think at that point it was 100 and then open it up for new people to mm. be added. But it's, it was a huge, a huge lift. Uh, but Tamiko was oh, just just on it, just on it. And we had all these ideas, just throwing stuff at the wall, like, let's do this, let's do that. But because we didn't have a lot of time 
to do another uh, volume, like another book for um, an anthology. Mm. We said, let's just do uh, the free downloadable magazine, which will feature everyone's work, which will great. You know, that'll be good for now. Um, and Samika wanted to update the current volume, which is now 150 Black women. Mm. Um, and then there were all of the, um, you know, just the promotion behind pushing that and waking people up saying, hey, remember this? Let's <laughs> we're still here. Let's let's get this updated and get it, you know, refreshed. And I was surprised at how many more people popped up that didn't know about it. And I still feel like there are more that still don't know about it because it's self-nominated. And there were still people we would see on social media, like, hey, why aren't you in the book? You know, here, go fill out this form. So I think next year it's probably gonna be 170, you know. Yeah, next year you might have to get some beta readers, right? <laughs> like you may need, you may need like a, you may need a team because I saw that too as well as people, you know, I was posting about it and people tagging other folks that they know being like, shouldn't yeah. you be in this? Yeah. Why, why didn't you submit? Do you know about this? So it's like folks suddenly being like, oh, wait, this is possible? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, I feel like we're going to have to send out an email to every single person that's in it and ask them for an updated bio because- you know, first of all, the first book, which was 60 Black Women in Horror, did there, there was no self-nominating. That was me doing research on every single one of them. Mm. Um, and then, you know, when it started to, when it came to 100, um, I had all these people like, how do I get in this book? And I'm like, honestly, if you're a Black woman and you write horror, you can get you're in the book. book. <laughs> yeah, you can get in the book. So they they pretty much just have to prove that they have written a thing that is horror. Honestly, mm. like if they have one short story out somewhere that's that's horror, then I then they'll get put in the book. Um, so, um, but there's people who have bios that are ten years old. And when we did the um, blog, then people were like sending messages. They're like, the bio in there is, is 10 years old. I'm like, we asked you for a new bio. <laughs> yeah. You got to tell us, girl. So the first time you did it, it was an actual book that you printed out, like a hard copy? There's an actual hard copy um, of, 100 in, of 100 Black women in horror and oh. of 60 Black women in horror and of 80 Black women in horror because I did that. And there will be one of 150 Black women in horror, um, which will be coming out on Juneteenth because that's the this year that we have planned for it. Yes, this year. Oh, um, yeah. And we do have, um, we have actually got, we talked to Mocha Memoirs Press who yes. did Black Magic Women. Yeah, Nicole. yeah, I know Nicole, um, Nicole Gertz. Yeah. Yeah. So right now they have um, Black and Roots, um, which, I'm mm -hmm. also, um, which is coming out on the um, on Juneteenth also. Oh, I didn't know. Right? Okay, great. I'm so they can't do our book right now because they have Black and Roots coming out. But Nicole said that we can do it um, for next year. So we'll start working on that um, after um, 150 um, Black Women in Horror comes out. So 150 Black Women in Horror will come out on Juneteenth. And then right after that, we'll start having the conversation about um, the next, you know, like, I The guess. next 200 Black Women in Horror, probably. No, no, no. About the next, like, Black um, Magic um, Women type mm -hmm. anthology. There's going to okay. be another anthology. I mean... Mm -hmm. 
I like it would be like Black Magic Women too, but I don't know if we're gonna call it that. Yeah. So this is sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just gonna say when you asked uh, that there, if there had been an actual print version, I just want to make sure there's a distinction that is understood that uh, the 100 plus Black women who are uh, that's the the um, flagship. That's a separate line by itself. That's Samiko's book. That is the you know I like to call it a database. Black Magic Women, and then the Black Women Who Are Downloadable Magazine. Those are separate products. Mm, okay. Black Magic Women is the anthology. They came out in 2017, 2018. 2018. Black, yeah. Yeah. So the Black Women in Horror Month downloadable magazine that we just put out in February, that was just a free downloadable, you know, promotional product just to promote. Mm -hmm. Black women in horror month. Right. Just to be like they exist. We exist. But black magic women, that's the what that's what's coming out on Juneteenth. No. Um what 150 black uh, magic women is gonna come out in print on Juneteenth. Oh, I see. So there's the zine that we can download, but then you can also get the hard copy in Juneteenth. So yeah, hundred and fifty black um women in horror is like um it's a list of biographies. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what'll be coming out on Juneteenth is a print copy, which will also have some interviews in it and um, some, um, you know, like nonfiction pieces um, okay. talking about Black women in horror, but it's a nonfiction title. That's probably the easiest way to put it. This yeah. is a nonfiction title. The magazine is like its actual fiction. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Kenya put the magazine together pretty much by herself. Like she did, wow. honestly, um, and it's gorgeous. And, um, you know, yeah it, is. yeah, it is beautiful. And, you know, it, it, it it's a labor of love um, that she did along with the gorgeous art that we have uh, on the website now and those t-shirts and everything um, that she made. And like, Sometimes I think it would be nice to have that in print, but it's all reprints. And yeah. also we would have to edit it um, mm. a lot, I think, if we were gonna do that. So I'm not sure if that would happen. And so, so you had these three things that came out in print 10 years ago, and now you're just like, it's like, we're doing this again. You have virtual, now you have digital versions and you have things that are gonna come out in hard copy. The thing that's, the, the nonfiction that's coming out on Juneteenth of this year, who is, is it just you are publishing or is it through another independent publisher? It's a nonprofit group called Iconoclast Productions. Okay. Okay, cool. I'm excited. I feel like there's places for people to go and, and learn about and get to know more authors if they want to. Oh yeah. Making it easier. <laughs> yep. yep. It'll be less of a surprise as you were saying. Yeah, like there's still people like I just got an email from someone or not an email, but like they posted a comment on the website for us and they're like, how do I get in this book? So there's still people, you know, adding, hmm. adding to the list. Yeah, that number is going to grow. I feel like that number is just going to grow every time. Is it your plan to do this every Black History Month? <laughs> <laughs> Can you laugh? Like, ah, no. 
<laughs> Maybe in five years again, mm -hmm. or two years or three years, but I don't think every year. Mm -hmm. um, the So I start the first list was in 2013. And then the next one was in 2017. And then there was one right after in 2018. And honestly, the, the, um, you know the the doing them one year apart thing it is not really probably going to happen uh, this <laughs> is not sustainable <laughs> yeah there might be another um like there probably will be like another blog post um adding some new names but it is probably only going to be like one or two blog posts because like this year there were like 50 yeah. And I don't think we're going to come up with 50 every year. I think that it's going to be 10 or 20 new names. Mm. And maybe we should wait until we've got like 200 before we come out with another one instead of yeah. having like, um, 155 black women. Or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like weird numbers, 162. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. So I feel like it's a good segue into speaking of black women in horror. Let's 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 share our drabbles about uh, inspired by future ancestors. The theme. Who wants to go first? Kenya, you haven't said anything in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you should do it. <laughs> okay, I'll go first. Uh, I just wrote mine this morning. It sounded so easy at the time, 100 words, but then when I actually started trying to do it, it took me a little bit longer than I thought. So I was thinking in terms of, again, um, inspiring the future uh, writers. That's what I was thinking about. Um, just wanting them to understand that they can do whatever they want to do. There, there's no boundaries. Mm -hmm. So my travel, it goes. The sound of gentle snoring was her signal to begin her nightly routine of whispering into her young daughter's ear. But these affirmations weren't about getting good grades or meeting a Prince Charming or any fairy tale. Each night she taught her daughter about monsters, both real and imagined. Not because she wanted her to be afraid, quite the opposite actually. She wanted her to be prepared. She wanted her to be girly and kind and wear pink ribbons and play with dolls but also be ready to fight when the monsters show themselves, because they will. Mm. I love that. I love that. It also feels like if there's ever a reboot of Buffy or <laughs> something that takes place in the Buffy universe, that's like the opening monologue <laughs> as she trains to do yeah. the things like to yeah. play. <laughs> yeah. And a re, you know, a reimagining or something in the world of with like, you know, a black slayer. Uh -huh. Well, we've got that, that movie coming up. What is it? The, the black girl and her monster or something like yeah, that? Yeah. 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 I saw, I saw the trailer for that and that looks really yeah. exciting. I love that. Samika, you want to go next? Okay, so um, this is The Ghost in the Window, which was mm. the October uh, 2nd um, issue of The Horror Trees Trembling with Fear. Mm. 
Meryl began to avoid the kitchen window. There was something musty on it that just wouldn't come off, no matter how hard she scrubbed the grimy pane. She saw it when she crossed the threshold on her way to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Caught in the corner of her eye, it seemed to follow her. It first appeared last fall after a crow crashed into the glass and broke its neck. The blood washed away, but a strange shadow remained. Her father had told her it was a bad omen. He died the next day. That was it. <laughs> what a wonderful, creepy moment. Yeah. In in a hundred or so words. Like that was so many things. So like concisely put of just here's this creepy thing that taunts me. I love that idea of the omens. There's so many times when that happens. That's so real for people. Like where just the times I've been with relatives and they're like, it, we see something and we're like, oh, that's a bad sign. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you just make it, it feels so real. Like, yeah, that's a bad sign. Yeah, you manifest it and make it a bad sign. Yeah, yeah. It's because of that. <laughs> maybe, or, may, or maybe it is about, like, I don't know. I, it's, like a, it's like a chicken or the egg thing. But I just like, when you said it, it felt like something, it's like, oh, that's like something my mom like then this happened and we were like that's a bad sign and then so and so mm. died the next day <laughs> yeah i mean i guess her dad was the future ancestor in that um yeah story and he tried to give her a warning but she didn't believe him she wasn't listening mm. or maybe after the fact it did seem like it was something that made that happen because of that because that's how superstition works. Right. So either way, it's still creepy. Either way you look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> either way, it's spot on. Mine's just kind of like, it's not really a story. Um, I don't know. I just kind of like thinking out loud. Uh, so mine goes. I try to focus on today, but it's hard. I keep thinking about where I'm going, what I missed, what I haven't gotten to, and how late I am according to me. I think about what hasn't happened and how it should have. I think about what has happened and how it shouldn't have. I wonder if people before me did the same. They wrestle with their ambitions, grief, desires, loves, wishes, dreams, hopes. Did they have to take it a day at a time because surviving was so hard? Should I? If I don't think that I'm good enough to be an ancestor, what then? Yeah. Wow. So sometimes, you know, especially when you're trying to write, like, like you were saying, like you're writing an older person in the future, but they're you're essentially writing yourself. Like you're writing somebody who lived in your timeline, imagining your generation 20 years from now as senior citizens or whatnot, you know? Then you kind of start to think about like, okay, so I have this idea of the way people thought and behaved and wanted things in the past. And what if that is like 
dumb. Like that's just like a that's like a little fantasy that I made up and watching these like old school or old timey movies where I just assumed that everybody knew that they were being historic. Like, but like maybe they were just being regular like me. I think about that when, you know, you watch documentaries of uh, like I went to the Civil Rights Museum in Memphis and you're looking at all these people sitting at this at the counters getting milkshake stone on their heads and things like that. Or, or Ruby, who went to school, you know, with guards around her while all these like mothers yelled at her for going, wanting to integrate schools, right? Um, did she know that she was being historic then? Did she know that she was gonna be in a museum? I think she was just a little black girl who went to school. Right. Yeah, I think that, um, first of all, I think it's really deep that you did put that in there about um, feeling like maybe you're not good enough to be an ancestor. I do think that all our ancestors are ancestors, whether they were good or not. And mm. my mom had a really um, deep conversation with me about that, um, you know, because both of us have, um, and she passed away, so she is one of the ancestors now, um, but she was talking to me about things that happen because both of us have mental illness where, mm. you know, you're, 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 you're having these forces that are driving you and she was hallucinating and she saw her ancestors. And when she saw all her ancestors, it wasn't just the black ancestors. It was also people that owned us that got into mm. our bloodlines in ugly, mm. nasty criminal ways. Um, and you know, Toni Morrison's book, Jazz, yeah. it, is, it is all about that. It is all about coming to terms with that this is a part of um, most African-Americans' bloodlines. So I think that our ancestors aren't all good. Mm. They, you know, and the idea that an ancestor is always someone who is, um, who deserves respect. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's not always true. Some of our mm. ancestors were nasty people who just, you know, um, sexually assaulted their way into the bloodline, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, and owned human beings. That's yeah. very true. Yeah. That's true. And that's a deep thing to say, because it's, it's a it's a grown woman thing to say of like don't romanticize the past and don't you know romant like be real about all of it mm -hmm. and, and be in a be much you know be in a place to to embrace all of it uh i guess like yeah like all oh, those notions of good or bad wow when when you're thinking about ancestry yeah, I do feel like when we say ancestors, it's like a venerated term, right? But really, you know, we're just talking about somebody who was alive before, mm -hmm. before us. That's actually all we're saying. <laughs> That's all it is. Yeah, exactly. When you go on Ancestry.com, they don't just take out the ones that were knuckleheads. They're all Ah, uh, right, right. Like they're like, no, no, you're gonna know about everybody. Everybody, right. <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> this is just science. We're not like putting, you know, value judgments on this. <laughs> I think when I was a um, kid, like a teenager in the '80s, I used to feel that way because, like, it the 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 '60s seemed so big, and it felt like everybody was out there being a part of the civil rights movement. Because in your mind, you think it that way. Yeah. But, yeah. But that's not as, you know, like 
that's what you think because you only see the part that people have um, lifted up. And it's like they say, um, we all we really always think well of people once they're gone. Um, but yeah, uh, that was, you know, you know, yeah. And then the other thing too is not everybody who's an ancestor is famous. Like um, mm. my my grandma, uh, her father, so my great grandfather, he was the first cousin of Marian Anderson, and she is famous, and everyone knows who Marian Anderson is, and everyone does not know who he is, does not know <laughs> who my grandma was, you know, but they're still my ancestors. They didn't have to be famous to be my ancestors. Yeah, yeah. I think there's, it's a loaded term, isn't it? Future yeah. ancestors. Yeah. Pretty deep when you start thinking about it. You know, going down <laughs> yeah. yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, it does. It, it does get a little like scratch my mind about life and thing. Um, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so excited to have you on and also to speak about Black women in horror. And I'll put all those links in the in the you know in the description of this episode so people can go, as well as the links that I got from you so people can know your work more. Uh, I don't know if there's anything you want to say now of like, hey, follow me here to find out more about me. If you want to say like your hand, you know, where people can find out more about your work. I think that um, they should know about um, blackwomeninhorror.org, which is the um, website that they can mm -hmm. go to for the magazine and for the list. And my website is um, sumikosalson.com, S-U-M-I-K-O-S-A-U-L-S-O-N.com. Kenya, do you want to say anything? You're on TikTok, right, Kenya? Are you guys both? Yeah, on I am on TikTok. Yeah, I'm on TikTok. Uh, yeah, yeah. And my uh, website is kenyawrites.com. Um, but yeah, definitely go to blackwomeninhorror.org. You can find links to everything from there. You can find links to everyone, everything. <laughs> it's like the place to be. But yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for having us. Thank you for tuning in. Support Spooky Black Chicks with a tax-deductible contribution through the link in the bio or by leaving a rate and review. Tune in next week for the last episode in our flash fiction frenzy with more new authors and new scary stories. Till next time.